Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Inside UCOM. I am Navy Petty Officer Second Class Sean Castellano. I work for AFN Stuttgart. I am joined here by United States European Command's J9 Directorate. I've got Colonel Kyle Simpson here with me and Mr. Jose Colon. So, gentlemen, first things first, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate you coming out here. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here. So, J9, in a nutshell, for somebody that doesn't know, what does the J9 Directorate at UCOM do? So the J-9 Directorate, which is the Interagency Partnering Directorate, um, really is focused on the civil-military component um, of our relationships here in Europe. Okay. So with that being said, um, I want to jump it back to about a year ago now. We're sitting here recording this interview. It's March 2021. So back in March of 2020, um, COVID really started to impact Europe uh, as a continent. Um, so what did J9's workflow kind of look like when COVID really started to impact us over here? So it's interesting. Um, it, we go back a year uh, and U.S. European Command uh, was in the middle of an exercise called Juniper Cobra. And so if, if we think back, of course, you know, you had the, uh, the issues in Wuhan in China. And, and very near to that, um, the virus had spread to South Korea. Um, and so United States Forces Korea was very focused on trying to tamp it down in that location. Here in Europe, the first place that, uh, that we really saw COVID was in Italy. And there was a huge bloom uh, right at the end of February, uh, beginning of March of, of 2020. And that caused a lot of concern, uh, not only for us because we have forces in Italy, uh, but for Europe writ large, because there was a concern about the spread throughout Europe and what the the social and economic impacts uh, would be for the continent. And so uh, here within U.S. European Command, we, we, we scaled back, curtailed uh, Juniper Cobra, um, and we started planning for how we, UCOM, were going to respond uh, to what was at the time an epidemic, which would later become a pandemic, uh, so we put together a joint planning group to start start analyzing and planning our response. Uh, through that through that planning group, the, we we got guidance that there were there were three functions that we had to do. First, we were going to maintain our mission essential functions as a combatant command and our components. Secondly, uh, we were going to focus on keeping COVID out of our headquarters. And then the third thing we were going to do is, to the extent possible, we would extend assistance to our allies and partners. Uh, which is really what we're going to talk about today. Um, let me, let me kind of give a, a brief, if you will, a macro view of, of where we've come since, since we were a year ago. Um, so we started in that joint planning group. Um, we came up with some options. Um, and as we started looking at assistance to allies and partners, uh, one of the first things we had uh, there's an excess property warehouse down in Livorno, Italy, which happened to be right smack in the middle of where the epicenter in, in northern Italy was at the time. Uh, so we looked at what do we have in that warehouse that we could donate to the Italians uh, in order to create field hospitals or sites where they could treat COVID. And we found a number of different items that were of use to the Italians and we coordinated with them. Um, and, and so we set up that, that first delivery, which happened uh, on March 20th of, of 2020. At the same time, uh, we were already in discussion with the Office of the Undersecretary of Defense for Policy 
uh, and the Defense Security Cooperation Agency uh, about a foreign disaster response to help the Italians. Um, that would eventually become $100,000 of assistance that the president uh, would promise to, to the Italian government. Uh, $10 million of that would be for immediate response uh, done by the Department of Defense, by, by U.S. European Command. And $90 million of that would be more long-term through the United States Agency for International Development. Uh, so it was in April that, that the president's uh, directive came out and, and we received authorization from uh, the Secretary of Defense. Uh, and as we got the funding, we started contracting locally. And, and, and as we talk about everything that we've done here in Europe, uh, because there was concern about impacting the domestic supply within the United States as COVID started to bloom there. Everything has been contracted locally here within Europe. Uh, so we started doing that contracting, um, $10 million worth, uh, in that case primarily for personal protective equipment or what we call PPE, uh, and then for sanitizing agents. And so working with the Italian Civil Protection Agency, uh, we ordered gloves, gowns, um, goggles, masks, everything you needed to protect those, those first-line responders, uh, as well as the healthcare professionals um, and the patients so that we minimize the spread of COVID within Italy. Uh, simultaneously with the, that, we also provided some military airlift uh, in order to help the Italians move that equipment around Italy uh, as the Italian Air Force was the uh, agency that was responsible for it initially. That would later transition to uh, civilian or commercial options for moving equipment around Italy. So that was, that was the first response. Uh, everything was focused on Italy, but we knew at the time that, that this was gonna spread and there were gonna be other countries um, particularly those that are not uh, extremely highly developed, um, they were going to have issues combating COVID and they were going to need assistance. Uh, so we coordinated with the Defense Security Cooperation Agency and using authorities that we already had uh, and funding that we already had, we started coming up with uh, small HA projects in order to provide that, that personal protective equipment and sanitizing solutions uh, to other countries. Okay. So I want to I want to clarify a couple things. I want to jump back here a little bit. About a year ago, you said March 20th, the first supplies uh, started rolling out to Italy. Um, and then that acted as a bit of a catalyst, if I'm understanding correctly. And then uh, you guys started to support the rest of the, the continent here. And just to clarify, how, how do those how do those requests uh, come to U.S. European Command from our allied and partner nations? So um, generally, the the different ministries that are in charge of the COVID response in each country, usually the Ministry of Health or sometimes one of the other agencies like a FEMA equivalent uh, has the lead, but they look at what their internal requirements are. And they usually reach out to the U.S. Embassy um, and say, hey, these are the types of things that we are in need of. Eventually, they get to the uh, Office of Defense Cooperation, which works directly with our humanitarian assistance office, and they put in projects for those requirements. We staff them, uh, we review, we staff them here. If they are under 75,000, which is what we consider a minimal cost project, we approve it locally, uh, and then we uh, either push the money back to that specific country through the GSO 
to buy locally. Uh, there's also a, um, a RIPSO office, uh, Regional um, Procurement Service Office, so high dollar items can be purchased through that office. Uh, if they are larger uh, dollar projects, anything above 75000 we don't have the uh, ability to approve locally, so we send them up to the uh, DSCA, we get them approved, and then we send them out to the executive agencies uh, for contracting. Our uh, primary agency is Medcom uh, that has an office here in Germany. We send them the money, and then they work directly with the HAP managers, the Humanitarian Assistance Program managers, and the other officers at the Office of Defense Cooperation to uh, build the requirements packages and to uh, contract uh, for those items that are needed at, e at each different location. Okay, and then speaking of those items that are needed, um, I remember about a year ago now there was a big call for respirators. What did it look like? How did it, how did this relief kind of manifest itself? What were we sending to these allied and partner nations? Um, in the beginning, it was mostly uh, PPE because it was a shortage. Everybody was looking for PPE. As we developed from phase one into phase two, like the colonel mentioned, we started getting into longer term um, assistance uh, where the the countries could uh, pretty much uh, get their own PPE, but they needed. Uh, assistance for other items. So um, we didn't get into the um, uh, uh, respirators per se that much, but we started doing uh, projects for other things. And again, it's based on what each country was requesting. A lot of ventilators, uh, a lot of ultrasound machines. We did hospital beds, mattresses, uh, linens, things like that. A lot of the things that are needed in the ICUs immediately uh, uh, is what the types of things that we ended up providing or are still in the process of providing in some cases. Okay, makes sense. So I can only imagine it's been a pretty busy past year for both of you gentlemen. Is that is that correct? I, I'd say that's a very fair statement and I'm gonna I'm gonna let Jose expound upon this. Um, so so part of this is um, you know there's the old saying you go to war with what you've got. Well we've had to go go to war against COVID with what we've got and so, you know, the, the Overseas Humanitarian Disaster and Civic Aid for DACA office really is a, a two-person office. Um, and so with all of these projects rolling in that had to be staffed, that had to be make sure that everything is done right, um, I had two people to do that. Um, that's Jose and, and, then, and then his supervisor, uh, Mr. Claude Galuzzo. Uh, Keeping up was was very much a challenge, and a, and a credit to both of them. Um, over the past year, I think they have put in uh, comp time hours every single week to make sure that these projects have stayed um, on track and are getting out in a timely fashion. Um, additionally, I, I did augment that office with uh, with one of my civil affairs NCOs in order to provide additional capability. Um, you know, it would have been nice to have, you know, another program manager and a budget analyst um, in the office, but, but you go to war with what you got. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, those were some of the challenges that we faced, um, but, th but they've done a fantastic job of, of getting these projects out the door so that the, the contracting agencies can, can put the right materials into the ODC's hands to, uh, to donate to the countries. 
So, well, it sounds, it, that does sound challenging. It sounds like you guys have been busy. Well, it is challenging. I'm sure it's also very rewarding work that you've been doing over the past year. What, what are some of your guys' most memorable moments you've had since the start of this thing here? Um, I, I wouldn't say there's any one particular mem- memorable moment, um, but uh, we get a lot of feedback from the different ODC offices and HAP managers, and they let us know when uh, projects are actually put or, or items are put into the hands of the partner nation uh, when they receive them, the different clinics, the hospitals, uh, and seeing those photos is uh, pretty rewarding. I can, so I, I can only imagine. Yeah. Colonel, is it? That, and, I, and I would echo that, it, that, <clears throat> that there is no one one moment, if you will, but, but really the satisfaction that you get out of this job is that every time you see one of these projects completed and you know that this equipment is is going to the healthcare professionals. Um, you're saving lives. Uh, you're saving lives in, in those allies and partner countries. Um, but we're also strengthening our relationship with those countries uh, because what we want we want them to understand is that the United States wants to be their global partner power of choice, um, and, and it doesn't just mean for defense. Um, of the Euro-Atlantic area, you know, yes, we, we're here with hard power, but we're also partners in this fight against COVID. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank both of you here for, for joining me. We really appreciate it. It sounds like you guys have had a very busy but um, important past year or so here. So thank you for taking the time to come over here and talk to everybody that watches this Inside UConn series. We, we really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been, uh, it's been very great to come over here, and we hope that everybody will kind of understand this little piece of what's been going on that has been sometimes underknown um but uh but we're out there putting a good face out for uh for ucom and for the united states government uh, with our allies and partners thank you for having us here Sean. absolutely thank you